Welcome to the Think Kingdom Podcast. We're heading into the Advent season as we're celebrating the birth of Christ. So let's go ahead and make room for him. Let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. Uh, this is Advent. This is the season of Advent. Um, everybody knows what Advent is. It means, it's a Latin word, it means coming. Um, as believers, we believe that Christ came and is coming. And um, uh, this is a season that, has, that can bring hope. But we, we, we also know that um, with uh, holiday season, um, I remember November 18th, a few years ago, um, we lost my um, grandmother. And so sometimes even when there's a, a reason to celebrate, there's also a reason um, that uh, some holidays can be stressful. And it also um, means different things to other people, to, to other people. But uh, we're here uh, as believers because Christ came. Now, all you theologians, I get it that it's probably, he wasn't probably born in December. Um, but nonetheless, this is the season that we have designated uh, to celebrate his coming. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do something different, so y'all going to have to help me preach, because I don't like preaching sitting down. But I don't know, I just feel um, led to, 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 to demonstrate what I believe that God wants us to do uh, in this season. Um, and the long story short of it is to make room. And I think what... Uh, we have a tendency to do, it's my four and no more. And in this season of uh, generosity, I believe that God wants us to not only be a generous people, um, but he also wants us um, to, to use him as an example. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 18. And I believe this is going to be uh, the backdrop to uh, this next sermon series. Um, but before I get too involved in today's message, um, when you look at the Old Testament, what you're seeing is a history of, of the children of God, Israel. Um, and what the Old Testament reveals to us is God's involvement with mankind that God has involvement. So throughout history, uh, God um, did for Israel, the children of God, what they couldn't do for themselves. And he has never stopped doing that. That there are things beyond us that is beyond us, that he continually in his love for us actually uh, works on our behalf for his Glory. So, first, uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now, that was the first, this is a real, real talk. That was the first scripture that I learned um, as a kid. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I had no idea what that meant, but I memorized it. In the beginning was the Word. I want you to circle the Word if you have what we uh, historically call a paper Bible. If you do not have a paper Bible, just take notes. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Highlight that. He was with God in the beginning. All things, say all things, were created through him, 
and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Now, I understand that, you know, um, Christmas, you know, toys and snow and Christmas songsy, thingsy stuff, but um, it's all about Jesus, like for real. And um, I understand that, um, that we can get lost in these moments um, and uh, it, bec- it has become cliche, but Jesus is the reason for the in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light, that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. Now, this is what John is clarifying. He was not the light but he came to testify about the light, the true light. Now, that implies that there's some fake lights out here. But John is trying to be clear, the true light. It's interesting that John says, listen, I'm not the light. I just bear witness to the true light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, but, the notes a change in tone. But to all who did receive him, now if I was in a Pentecostal church, people would be shouting right there. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right, man, to be children of God. Man, that's a game changer there. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Was it my last name? Was it my bloodline? It was the will of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory, well, I need for you to circle this next phrase, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Come on, somebody. That's making me happy right there. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. The Son of God was sent into the world to become the Jesus of history that changed it. The Son of God, wrapped in flesh, comes into the world and changes the world. Somebody ought to say amen. Why is that a big deal to us? 
because John is tracing Jesus way back before the beginning of the entire universe. John 3.16, for God so loved the world in this way. He loved the world in this way that he gave his son. His name is Jesus. And this is the season we're in. This is the reason. This is the reason we wake up. This is the reason we wake up with hope. This is the reason we have peace. This is the reason when everything around us, in our families, and Lord have mercy, in our family can go bonkers. I'm the only one. And this is the reason we have peace. This is our focus. This is our why. He came to fellowship with us. He has invited us to his table. And thank God there's room at his table. We don't have to worry about the number of chairs. We don't have to worry about did somebody network us into relationship. It's all about Jesus. We can actually sit at his table. We are invited to fellowship with him. I don't understand. I, I, please, y'all, I'm getting a little happy because I know me and I know what I deserve. And yet he invites me to sit at his table. Are you crazy? Are you? You know you, right? You know, you don't sometimes. Let's just be real. It's just me and you. Sometimes you don't like being in the same room as yourself. You think about that. You know, better. And that's the, that's the beauty, that's the beauty of God, that Caitlin, that he loves us so much that he invites us, whether we deserve it or not, we don't, but he invites us to his table. And inviting us to his table, he, he gives us what we need. And this is the problem sometimes that I have, when he gives us what we need at that moment, I don't think that's what I need. I, there's a way that seems right. And I love the Lord all my heart, mind, body, and soul. But there are times when I'm like, oh, I understand this. I don't understand this, what you've given me. But you would make it a whole lot easier if you gave me this. And so he invites us to our table. And I'm going to invite Josh and Rob to come and help me preach this. Now, y'all come. But now, the thing is, um, when he invites us to his table, oftentimes, um, some of us don't come as hungry as we should. And partly, it's due because we eating everything else. And it's amazing in this season um, that God is, 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 is wrestling with his people in the sense that uh, in order for us to change what we eat, he must first change our appetites. That we, we no longer appreciate the things of God and we become so familiar and we, we've accepted the invitation. And, and now when he serves us, ah, this, that's too cold. It's like we have the, God, the Goldilocks syndrome because sometimes we forget just who he is 
and, the, and our posture begins to change. And so I believe that many of us are, are, um, uh, have so much on our plates already that it's hard for us to accept what he is giving us in exchange for everything that we already have. In other words, we feel like we're losing something serving him. And we don't want to eat anymore. Uh, my, my wife, man, shout out, she, she cooked everything on Thanksgiving. And how would, she would have fe- how would she have felt if her sons and her husband came downstairs after they, she prepared this meal and we say, we ain't hungry. And oftentimes, what we're experiencing, Josh, is that we're already eating and then complain about the meal that he serves. And if we're going to enter this season with thanksgiving, we're going to enter this season with a heart that's truly turned towards him. I'm warning me and warning my church, be careful what you're eating. Because if you're not eating the right thing, you're existing off junk food. And that is never his intention. And so we got to understand what God is doing because here's the issue. He's made room for us and we can't make room for others because we're not eating what he's given us. So I'm existing in deficits all the days of my life. And so now we ask you to do one thing, and we feel like we're piling on the table of life just something else. I don't have the time. I don't have, I don't have the resources. It's we're actually talking to God about what he commanded us to do as if he's not the source of our strength, our health, And we become so fixated on junk food and cotton candy and candy apples and candy canes that when he gives us the nutritious meals that will sustain us for the journey ahead, we do this. I've already eaten. I just believe God is trying to restructure us that every time he serves his meal, we come to his table. So, so guys, I, I want y'all to help me. They're going to write while y'all just shout out, what's currently on your plate? I'll start. Life. <laughs> Life, man. Like, just write as big as you can. Life. That's on my plate. What else is on your plate? Work. Y'all will be faster. That's why I called y'all up. He's some, some, hey, man, I'm just surviving. You ever been in that position? If I wake up, praise the name of the Lord, and I'm in survival mode, what else is on our plate? Family. Man. <laughs> Dion's like, no, that's the one. What else is on your plate? Man, say it for the ones in the back. School. I'm amazed at the pressures, myself included. God help me. Um, We put on our children. Man, 
Man, they got it just as hard as we do. It's just, it's just on a smaller scale. When we were in school, think about this. When we were in school, everything was life and death. We grow up and we have perspective on school, right? And we realize now, 30, some 40 years, that all those things that we, that we were going through in school, right, were minuscule. But while we were going through it, it felt like life and death. Uh, I know one, finances. If I can just get my money right, Lord have mercy. Right. Oh, I'm the only, everybody else being proper, sweet. Finances, what else? Our walk with God, mental health. This is all the things that are on our plates. Man, how about purpose? I know I have a purpose, but I have yet to discover it. Can somebody say amen for me? What else is on your plate? The pack. Come on, somebody. Come on. We need need P-A-S-T. We need four of them jokers. The past. If I can just get, (laughs) if I can just get past my past. Lord have mercy. What else is on our plates? Who? Okay, let's let's see lot that moment. (laughs) Comparisons. Expectations. And and I'm going to tell you, you, you're your worst critic because I feel like I should be further along now. Are you kidding me? But how do I know I should be further along? Some of it is because I know those mistakes I made in my past. Others is my peers. That's a whole nother sermon, past, peers. And the third one is my problems. You see, preachers, you see, I just did that past peers and problems. Those, <laughs> those things, right? What else? What else? Fear. Man. That's why we quiet. Because we, we, there's a lot of things we're afraid of. I know some of us are afraid to be successful. That's why we self-sabotage. But that's a whole message coming in 2022. <laughs> what else? What? Grief. Man. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think about my grandfather. He's the single most influential man in my life. Grief. What else? Health. Oh, my God. Health. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Health. What else? Man, the distractions of social media goes back to comparisons. You, do, you, were, you were having a great day until you went on Facebook. You were good. <laughs> you were like, you know what, man? God is good. But he's better to them than he is to me. Yeah, social media. <laughs> these, are, these are things in my own head. What else? Time. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's from, from the, little, the littlest among us to the oldest. Everybody believe they're running out of time. My, uh, this is, I think, last year. Um, I, I spoke with uh, Justin, Jennifer, Gary. And so you're talking about from 19 to 
and I spoke to my, um, it was me from, so from 19 to 60 plus, right? And one common denominator was we ain't got enough time. That's a universal thing. What else? That's it? What? That's it. So think about this. Look how full our tables are. We don't have room for anyone else. And, and, and this is what I'm managing. So when Josh brings his stuff to me, it's going to be hard for me to manage my stuff and his stuff. And even with good intentions, when I drop his stuff, he mad at me. I'm carrying this, and you want me to carry this? And my intentions, because I got all these other issues, it's hard for me to say no, Lauren. So I, I say yes. And I say yes knowing that picking this up and this up and trying to juggle all these spinning plates, I'm bound to drop something. And if I drop you too many times, Josh, you're looking at me funny. And now, um, now, disappointment. I got to throw this on the table. And this is the table, guys, that we are refusing to get up from. Because I'm, I'm reading John chapter 1 and realize that Jesus came to insert himself with the tables we built on shaky ground, he decided to come and shake things up because he realized they, they can't handle this, but I can. So he literally invites us to eat from his table. So many of our plates, we got our burdens, our, our tables are full, full of stuff, so many plates. And here's what's so crazy. Nobody mentions sin because it's understood. Yeah, that's all sin, brother. But what I realize is that I am also, we are also teaching our children early how to juggle plates. We, we got them so involved with so much stuff that they are learning how to juggle plates like us. And then they, when they fail, it gets into them. And they grow up with this performance-driven mentality. And now it's performance over purity. Now it's performance over presence. It's, and it's driving all of us. And all these plates of responsibility, we try to carry. And our tables are full. So then the first thing we say, um, write discipleship. See if you can spell it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so here's what happens, Tiffany, that I'm learning. That people, are, people have all these plates, right? Then they come here. They come to Think Kingdom. And we say, hey, won't you disciple? And you are like, how? This is just my stuff. If, if I'm married, I got two tables. If I got kids, every kid is seven tables. <laughs> and 
And so the church is calling us back to discipleship. The church is calling us back to thinking beyond ourselves and to make room for others. And let's just keep palling on. And, and depending on where you are in this situation, yeah, Pastor, I get it, but this is, this is, this is pressing. I'm dealing with a whole lot of disappointment. I get close to people and they hurt me. And you're saying that God wants me to open my heart again? You mean to tell me you're talking about making room and I feel like I, there's not enough? How, how do we manage this, bro? How, how do we move beyond all this stuff that's on our tables? I, and we ain't put divorce. We didn't put a bunch of stuff up here that's hovering around us. And so if Advent, Advent means coming, Lord, where are you? Because I know that you're here. I know that you came. The Christmas tree tells us. Joke. Bad joke, but joke nonetheless. But, Lord, I'm, I have all these other plates of responsibility. But here's the thing I'm realizing. Often the criticism about Christians is less about Christ and other Christians. It's because Christians are trying to carry this stuff. And in the process of trying to carry this stuff themselves, they become offensive. They hurt. So this leads to a critique of the faith we all grew up in but also a curiosity with others. I was in a, I was in, uh, a conversation, and uh, I began to, it was with some young folks, but anybody that's south of 40 is young in my mind. It was with young folks, and then what they were talking was, it was talking about um, their faith and Christianity, and they're struggling with it, and blah, blah, blah. And then I discovered something, that their parents or the people that they um, respected um, were ambassadors for Christians. And, and maybe those parents or those people did not, lead, did, did not um, live up to the expectations of their faith, and therefore they became jaded about Christianity. In the meanwhile, while they became jaded about Christianity, they became curious about other religions because they never experienced other religions, and if they did, it's all surface. So they began to study and appreciate other faiths because the faith that they were sort of shown as a kid was contradictory. So now they have a curiosity about other faiths while rejecting Christianity because of the Christians they met. So initially, I thought all of this was anecdotal. I thought, surely, this is just my um, interpretation of what I've been seeing. But then I, there's an article that's published in Religion, Brain, and Behavior. And, it's, and the, the gist of that article was this. People tend to become atheists at a younger age when their religious parents talk the talk but don't walk the walk. And I'm watching because we're such in this performance-driven thing that we have the expectations that we're supposed to carry all these plates. But if he was, wait a minute. Now, I'm not the smartest, but if we're supposed to carry the plates, what is Jesus doing? If, 
if Jesus is inviting us to the table, if Jesus took on, if, the, if in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, and all that John 1 is saying to us, then how in the world are we taking burdens and he came to take burdens away? And if he came to take our burdens away and we're mishandling the burdens that he's come to take away and our children are watching us, no wonder they don't know him. Because we are literally becoming small J Jesuses in their eyes that can't carry the burden. And I'm like, Lord. And so here's what was crazy. Time was cooking. We got a small table. We got a little, what do you call it, a bar. Then we have like an island. And every square inch of the island, the bar, where the microwave is under the, uh, under the uh, shelf, and even on the daggone washing machine was covered with food. And I started thanking God for abundance. And there was no thing lacking. But I came to the table, the table hungry. And when you come to the table hungry, you can eat as much as you can handle. But our God is so vast that you can never eat enough because there's always leftovers. And maybe the people of God are not operating in abundance because they see empty plates on their tables and refusing to go to the place that God is. I prepare a meal for you. And the only thing we got to do, bro, is take these empty plates to the source and let him fill the plates with nutritious. <sighs> Our relationship with Jesus should be the centerpiece where everything flows out of. But unfortunately, it's not. And it's because we don't make room for him. Other things consume us, messing up our rhythms. So, a research said that if you engage Scripture, I mean, truly, black out everything, at least four times a week, personally, seeking the truth of Scripture, they said you, you, you experience less depression. I'm not talking about, you know, you get the, uh, to get the app, and then the thing, the verse of the day comes, and then you send it to 12 of your friends, not meditating on it both day and night, not letting it incorporate in, not, not letting it integrate into your life. And it said that these people are not only able to withstand the storms, but they're able to share from an overflow and not a place of lack because the flow is from the inside out, not the outside in. And our God is relational. And so when, when you think about him preparing a, a table for us, he says, come eat. Now, here's what's crazy. He didn't say bring food. It's not potluck. He said, come ready to eat. But see, it's in our nature to make, to want to make things happen, to get it done. 
the constant refrain I hear in Rob, myself, and all the men I disciple, if I don't get it done, it won't happen. Really. Now, on the surface, this makes sense. And this message is often repeated to ourselves, and it's not inherently bad. But we bring that same attitude to the Lord's table. So when we think on a broader sense, especially when it comes to religion, we take this same approach. And see, I have to be careful with this one because the pendulum swings, can swing in extreme ways. Um, some, you know, uh, I hate religion. So when you begin to talk about religion, they dismiss it entirely. I hate religion, and it's all about relationships. Religion has its rules, um, and it's all about relationship. And even if that's true, I submit to you, relationships also have their rules. I can't come home when I want to. I can, but I won't be in a relationship with that woman. And, that, and that's the thing. And even, even relationships have standards. And so you can't go to one extreme, I hate religion, anything that's religion, and blah, blah, I don't have a part of it. It's all about relationship, baby. And then I go to Matthew chapter 7. You're talking about relationships. I don't know you. You did all this stuff in my name, and I don't have a relationship with you. Wait a minute. So there is something here. It's something about God doing his work. And these personal relationships must be with its, its experience with God through Jesus. And we were created for relationship with God. And this is the void that's in humanity, searching for a God. You binge Netflix, I'm challenging you this week to binge Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging us to get serious about our faith. Man, brother, I know it's hard. I'm right there in the trenches with you. But until the things of God becomes a burden for the people of God, there will always be performance over purity, performance over grace, and performance over people. Get them in. And whatever happens beyond these four walls of the church, it's just me and mine. Accountability is not a bad word. Because here's what's so crazy. I might not see it, Marcus, but God does. Remember that? <laughs> you can hide from me, bro. You can hide from us. That's, that's not what I'm, please hear me when I say this. What I'm saying is we don't have a God conscience. And so we keep piling, this is, this is my prayer for my two sons, that no matter what they do, that they're able to come to me. And our relationship is so strong that when they mess up, they don't run away from their dad. They run to him. And me being evil, if I think like this, God the Father, when we mess up and we've been carrying all these empty plates, blaming him for starving, that we take responsibility. You know what? I ain't spend no time with my dad. You know what? I ain't spend this time in his word. Listen, I'm almost ashamed to say this. Spotify uh, released um, like 
your music habits for last year. Listen, this is embarrassing. Well, I'm going to get free online, audience. I listen to music for 14,362 minutes last year. Bruh, here's my issue. If the Bible app was like, how many times did he engage? And that convicted me. Now, yeah, they were worship songs. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there was a little stuff, you know, sprinkled in it. Be honest, you know what I mean? It's podcast here and there, I'm being honest. But I ain't engaged scripture like that. I know I haven't. And that's the conviction. The conviction is I keep telling my wife, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. But every time something drops on Netflix, I see it. Man, it's just me. So, so if we are not desiring the things of God, God is not the one to blame. Come on, real church. If we are feeding ourselves things that are not of God and then wondering why he has this Thanksgiving meal for us every day and we ain't eating. And then immaturity is, where are you? Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Jesus comes and immediately involves himself in the affairs of men. And at least 10 times in a gospel, Jesus is either at someone's table or he's inviting others to his table. It's, and then we talk about two things real quick, and then we're going to take communion. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, um, he makes room for what uh, the people, the, ch the, Israel, uh, the, the, the children of God will call uh, the enemy, the tax collector. So what the tax collector would do is they would tax the people according to Roman percentages. And then, you know, they got a finder's fee. So it would be exorbitant. So if the Romans were like at 13%, they'd be like, yeah, you owe about 29%. And, you know, over time, people hate you for that. <laughs> and so, um, but Jesus made room for number one, for the unexpected. That with anyone that Jesus is going to eat with, it can't be the tax collector. It can't be the one that, I mean, it can't be the least of those guys, right? Like, he's scum of the earth. But Jesus makes room for the unexpected. And then you, you look at uh, Luke chapter 7. A woman in a town who was a sinner um, found out that Jesus was reclining at the table. So he was like this. So we don't have chairs. So Jesus was like this. Right? Okay, maybe he wasn't. So Jesus was <laughs> reclining at the table and... Um, and the way, it, the way it is, it's like you keep the doors open and they were just, um, and so people would come in and pe people would come in and, and eat because that was the culture. So, so the first was the tax collector, the unexpected. And then this woman who's, who's a known sinner, obviously, right? Um, she comes and many of us, we ascribe worship to that. She has long hair. She had this alabaster jar um, and she, she's kissing Jesus. She's cleaning Jesus' feet and she's kissing his, kissing his feet. And then she's wiping it, anointing it with perfume and stuff. And people are just like, yo, what is she doing? So Jesus makes room for the unexpected. And he also makes room for the uninvited. That's what Jesus does. And he is our example. 
you and Lauren invited us to your table. That's something. And it's, that's the beauty and that's the example. Jesus makes room for us. He inserts, his, he inserts himself in our affairs and invites us to his table knowing the dysfunction that we have. I mean, I was talking to Dion. I said, man, you know, sometimes you find yourself in the middle of stuff that you never apply for, and that's the messiness. And that's what Jesus does. And so here's what we're going to do, and we're going to pray. Who can you invite to your table? But you, you won't invite anyone. If you don't intentionally make room for them, and you can't make room for anyone if you don't dine with your father. Because all of this, all of it, and I'd be the first to admit, it's a lot. Just empty plates that we're juggling, having not eaten. It's what the scripture says. I don't, my, um, Bible, Bible readers, oh, taste and see. Woof! How good God is. And so we want to help you make room. Because these are simple acts. Because the thing is, Jesus makes room for generosity. He makes room. And what we want to do is this entering this Advent season, we, we, we want to fellowship with him, dine with him, spend time with him. But we won't do it if we don't slow down with him. Pastor Antoine kicking off Advent with the Make Room series. Let's remember that Jesus invited the uninvited to his table. Now, if you're blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word give to 704-741-3705. And if you are absolutely anywhere near Charlotte or the surrounding areas, come on by and visit us here at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, where you can join us online every Sunday at 1033 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, even Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message so many other sermon series right here exclusively on our Think Kingdom podcast.